Hello and welcome to Media MD, where each fortnight we prescribe each other a piece of media that the other person somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Thiebold. Elliot, you got something for me this fortnight? Yes. So today I am bringing you Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Never heard of it. Uh, yeah, a, a little known gem. <laughs> a little diamond in the rough. About uh, Victor Frankenstein. Yes. So, so technically this book should be called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's Monster. Am I right? Well, no, because it's about the Doctor. Um, all right, all right. So, I mean, yeah, this is obviously a, a classic that has been reimagined many times. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean... I mean, Hotel Transylvania wasn't the original. <laughs> God, how no. many Frankensteins have there been? There have been More many, than six, there? at least. More than six? <laughs> wow, that's a lot. Uh, but so, so, you know, this is... Some people like to call it the first science fiction story. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and, and so I think some of the reasoning for that, uh, comes down to, we, you know, there are obviously fantastical tales before this, but, um, there's arguments that those should be classified as fantasy because it's often like magical, mm. something else. This is really one of the first stories where, where it's, it's science, where it's, yeah, a scientist sitting down and, and creating it. So, um, spoilers for Frankenstein. Yeah. In case anybody doesn't know, we're going to do some spoilers because obviously this is a story that I... Well, it's public domain now, so ten, uh, can you spoil public domain? <laughs> <laughs> Does the statute of limitation on spoilers <laughs> extend to public domain stories? Um, yeah, so obviously Victor Frankenstein, right? Yes. The, yep. Dr. Frankenstein makes a monster... And then, I, I mean, I know all the tropes. I know it from pop yeah. culture, but I don't so, actually so know the specifics it, of the story. It's a bit similar to if you read Dracula, which was the other novel I considered yeah. bringing to you today. Um, you, you, you know a lot of the general main core concepts yeah. because of popular media, but there's some stuff that's sort of uh, misrepresented, like not just his name, um, well, yeah, the monster's <laughs> the name. Um, the monster's but, not Frankenstein. Yeah, but there's like little things like that. But there's bits to the story um, and, and part, like the deeper parts of it that, that you probably wouldn't be too familiar with. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming in a lot of the adaptations there are like themes that are probably through the book. Like the monster feels like betrayed and he doesn't want to have been created and there's like yeah. things like um, he, he's lonely, especially is something that comes up a lot, right? Yeah, and so that's, um, I mean, the the subtitle of the story, right? the, I think the, the uh, story's full name is like Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. So right. you're familiar so the with the... the legend of Prometheus is yeah. the guy who gave fire to... Yes. Right? And, and then so, he's chained to a rock and eaten forever? Yeah. Like. So he, he essentially betrayed the rest of the gods mm. by giving fire to people. And so he gets like a punishment. His punishment is like, it's some sort of immortal thing. I, I can't remember if he's the guy who's pushing a rock up and then it's no, pushing him or... The, the birds are pecking... different one, yeah. The birds are pecking his eyes out no, and no, they he grow picks back. Out, he picks out... A crow comes and like digs into him and like eats his liver every day and then That's it grows it. back before the, That's the bird it. comes back. So... So, you know, obviously the idea in this is... And then he is... goes to a space planet and then it's the prequel to Alien, right? Yeah, that's, that's how the Greek fable ends, yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you know, in, in this story, obviously, uh, Dr. Frankenstein is like the modern Prometheus. You mean Frankenstein's yeah. monster? No. <laughs> uh, his, so, Frankenstein's monster is the fire. Um, right. So, yeah, and, and... Right, so he's bringing, like, the technology of yeah. resurrection. I mean, the, the big message of the story, it, it's... It's essentially that you shouldn't push science too far. Like this is essentially the story the story of a doctor who pushes science too far and tries to become God and then yeah. regrets what he's I mean, done. He was the original mad doctor, right? Exactly. Um so, you know, I, I 
I was a bit worried about, because, you know, I gave you a, a book last time and, mm-hmm. and books can be quite time consuming. Mm-hmm. So I actually found a website where it tells you how long it'll take you to read a book. Uh, and it says it'll oh, take... Oh, you just enter the title in it? Uh, yeah. Well, and so it has the word counts and like the, the rough size of all the words. And so you read a little paragraph, it tells you how many words per minute you read and then how long it'll take you to read the book. Okay. Uh, and so it, it says it would take me two hours to read the book. So you should be fine. Yeah. Um, should be all right. So it's not it's not too long. So I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> um, <laughs> a, word a, a word a day. <laughs> it's, um, it's in that sort of style. So I, I think you've read a bit of Sherlock. Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Arthur Conan Doyle, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's sort of another one from, I mean, it's, it's almost 100 years difference, but all of them in like Bram Stoker's Dracula and all the ones back then, they're, they're written in that style where they're always written as letters. Oh, yeah. So um, is this, this is written yeah, as so letters? Yes, this is written as letters uh, from a couple of different people, but mostly from Victor Frankenstein mm. to the people back home. Mm. Uh, Dracula's the same. It's, it's letters from people. Uh, and obviously Sherlock is the, the writings, the, the of, writings uh, of John Watson. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So his little column. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and so I think that, you know, that's designed in these early horror, like these Gothic horror novels, like mm. Dracula and Frankenstein, it's to add, um, to the horror because it's meant to be realistic. Cause especially you, you got to think back then that was how people did communicate long distance. Right. They wrote that letters. Which, so these are the so sorts of letters you would be today, expecting. Today Mary to Shelley would have tweeted it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you could redo Frankenstein in, you know, sets of 140 characters or less. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I guess that's just something to keep in mind. Is that... You just have a Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> ah! um, so, yeah, I, it's just something to keep in mind that that's, um, that's sort of the main mode of communication mm. that they were using. So uh, I'm sure that would be fine. So it's meant to add to the realism. So you mentioned, I mean, you class this as gothic horror. Do you think it's a scary book? Or do you think it would have been if I didn't know... The story, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it, things were scarier back then. I mean, we're a bit spoiled these days, like because of horror movies. Yeah, and, and even like, now, now you get in the VR horror games. Jeez, um, you turn around and something spooks up. In front yeah, of um, I think like I mean, I read this a few years ago, and I, I don't. It, it didn't make me terrified, and I'm I'm pretty easily spooked by movies, so. <laughs> Uh, I, I wouldn't yeah. say so, but I guess I can imagine that, you know, back in the day, like this was published in, I think, 1818, um, mm. you know, it, when, when there was less, when there weren't movies and stuff, it was probably much easier to get. And, you know, yeah, the movies back then were all comedies. They oh, weren't yeah, scary yeah, at all. Just Charlie Chaplin everywhere. I don't get emails about that. Um, <laughs> so I heard a rumor, is this based... Is it based on a dream that she had? Is that yeah. True? So yeah, it's actually quite an interesting story about how the, how the whole thing got written. Mm. Um, so she was off with with like a crew of I think it was like so it was like her. He wasn't quite her husband at that point or something, but like they were you know it was like her partner mm. and then two other guys and the four of them were sort of traveling around Europe and this is like back in the day when like the rich people would have castles in a couple of different countries and stuff. Of course. Yeah. So they're they're in like they're in Switzerland or something. And basically it was just like a real, like the weather was just really crap for a few weeks. So they couldn't really go outside and do anything. And they were all sort of authors and, and that type of thing. So they, they decided to have a competition over a few weeks that they were sort of stuck in this cabin because of the weather. And so it was like, who could write the scariest horror story? And yeah, so she couldn't really come up with any ideas, but they're often talking because uh, the big, the big thing in Frankenstein is this concept of galvanization. It was recently after electricity had been discovered. So there was this, 
idea that then they found out electricity was like would stimulate muscles. Yeah, yeah. So there was this idea that you could electrocute someone back to life. Uh, and they were talking a lot about that in the cabin. And so one night, yeah, Mary Shelley had a dream of this doctor who had brought a corpse back to life and, you know, the dream terrified her. So she came up with the whole concept of this book, wrote it out in a few weeks. And I did think she win the competition. I think she did. Uh, and it got published. To, were, there, were there any other stories that came out of this? I don't Just know of any of the others. Okay. I don't know if the others. Maybe they were really shitty. Authors. But obviously, because well, because she was a woman, they had to publish it anonymously at first. It, it wasn't until it became very popular that she actually got to put her name on it. Um, so at first it was just like Frankenstein. And I think, yeah, like it was like her, that husband guy, I think his name was Percy Shelley or something. He was mm-hmm. the one who actually had to take it to like the publishers, uh, the publishers and stuff. Um, but yeah, so she sort of just wrote it in a cabin for a competition and now it's right <laughs> up there in one of the most famous works of literature of all Just like, time. what was that book that was written, that like young adult book that was written by a kid? There was, there was this kid that wrote like a young adult book and it became really popular and it was because he entered it into a competition. So he's like the Mary Shelley of our day. Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> that wasn't it. That was a fan fiction. That was a, that was a Frankenstein fan fiction, Fifty Shades of Green, <laughs> where he shows um, off his bulk collection. Yeah, so there's, no, there's no, none of that in this. That, that's a movie. That's, that's a, just that's a, that's a movie. Probably concept. all comes from like the Universal movies. Right? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so I mean, it's quite an interesting story, sort of how, how it got put together. Yeah. And, um, and it's quite an interesting book. Like, like, like I said, it sort of explores that concept of um, humanity's role um, like on earth, like when are we going too far? Mm. Uh, especially like, you know, if you, if you felt this way back, back then you can imagine. How- yeah. It's just, but it's a quite an interesting read. I quite like these old school, the, this style of the letter writing. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is that appeals to, to me about it, but like, I, I really enjoyed reading Dracula, this and, and the Sherlock Holmes books. I quite like that style where it's like somebody recounting it. Correspondence stories. Hmm. Is that the word for it? Or did I, I, I probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds correct. It, it could be. So, are these like are these themes of like science going too far and stuff? Are they just through the book, or are they things that Mary Shelley really kind of felt? I'm not too familiar with, mm. with the rest of her life. Did she ever? What happened to her after this book? You know, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I'll have to look it up. Didn't and, do your research. Uh, Bro. I'll talk about it in two weeks, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, you got two weeks to find out, to track her down. We can do a Where Are They Now and Mary Shelley. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, she was obviously pretty terrified about all this stuff to, yeah, to put to it in this, in this book. She was, I think she was 16 or 18 when she wrote it. Jeez. So, um, yeah. I'm four years overdue for my Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Better get right. Maybe this podcast is my Frankenstein, huh? Huh? No. All right, see you in two weeks. <laughs> uh, is there anything else you want to say about it? No, I think, I think that's everything. I'll just let you get into right. it. Two weeks. See ya. See ya. And we're live. So, before we get to Frankenstein... Yeah. Well, I'm going to say I, I did like it. Okay. There's, a, there's obviously a reason that it has stood the test of time. Yeah. But I think I tried to pick one because, like, with a lot of these old works, they they exist and they're still famous because of, like, their contextual importance. Yeah. But this is one that I actually feel is still a good read. Yes. Whereas a lot of the other ones, is, you know, like, for instance, the I read The Picture of Dorian Gray mm. and I get why that has had an important impact on, like, lots of literature since, since then. But, like, I did not enjoy reading it. Yeah. 
it had cultural significance, but you didn't enjoy it as exactly. much. Exactly. So I thought Frankenstein fit both criteria. I thought I th- it was still good. I think that's a good segue for me to open up with what I want to talk about, which is Star Wars. And we might alienate some of our listeners here. Um, <laughs> so that, that was actually the other example I was thinking of in my head. Yes. But I was like, I think Ruben and I are the, the only two people in the world who feel this way. Yeah, we, uh, we should explain we're not fans of the original Star Wars. Four, five, and six. Yeah, I they, mean, they're not... They're not bad. They're not bad, and they're definitely culturally important, but it just feels like... Maybe it's a bit of a like a Seinfeld is unoriginal kind of trope, where it did so many things that were so inspired that were copied later, yeah. and in more modern ways. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, this is exactly how I feel about, about the original Star Wars movies. It's like, yeah. I get why they were so big for people who were around when they came out, yeah. and like they've, they've changed so much. Yeah. But as somebody who was born in the 90s, I... I was too late to really get them to really appreciate that them. much out of them. And like, you know, now that Star Wars Episode Seven came out last year, yeah. I thought that was far and away the best, the best Star Wars. Of yeah. all. And like, I felt like that was what the originals. It, it was. It was very much captured the spirit of the originals, but put them in all of the great sort of CGI with and acting things that yeah. we have now. Yeah, uh, and I thought that improved the experience. And I, I mean, it wasn't as it wasn't revolutionary, obviously, in the same way because it was. Derivative of the first yeah. three movies, but um, anyway, enough of about Star Wars. The reason I want to talk about that is because that's kind of how I felt with Frankenstein. Okay, although I did like it, I did enjoy reading it a lot more than watching Star Wars. <laughs> um, what I mean is, it's it it clearly it's a very well written book and it's clearly very well done, but there are a lot of points where it's like this is something that makes sense for the time, but doesn't translate that well. Sure. Um, and one example I would point to is, it's obviously written in the language style of the time. It's very yeah. verbose and very flowery language, mm. even to the point where Frankenstein's monster is very eloquent and well-spoken. <laughs> so Victor Frankenstein's this dude, he likes science, he goes off and studies for a while, and then he becomes obsessed with... And in the book, it's kind of referred to as this mystery thing that he discovers. It's never explicitly stated that it's electricity, but yeah. he just says, I figured out something. And then he uses that unnamed something to bring back a body to life. Yeah. Which takes about just like a paragraph in the book. It's very, it's very <laughs> glossed over the main defining event of this story. But well, she was a writer, not a scientist. So she, <laughs> Fair enough. she probably thought it was best just to skip straight to it. Yeah. And then um, after that, he is kind of depressed by what he's done because he realizes this is such an abhorrent thing and he flees and loses contact with the monster it vanishes and then later on he's returning back to his home and his younger brother is killed and he figures out that it was the monster um and their housekeeper is kind of sentenced to death because of that they think that she is the one who did it um and basically this monster follows him around and kills a couple of people um core people in his life his uh his adopted sister slash fiance yeah (laughs) um and his best friend and his younger brother um and then eventually we kind of have this this moment where the monster is recounting his side of the story and he tells about how everyone was already really prejudiced against him and he went and learned english from living with this foreign family and yet somehow he is very eloquent and speaks with a (laughs) with a very very well known yeah (laughs) anyway um and then there's this kind of conflict and then uh the whole story is being told in in flashbacks from Frankenstein, who's now chasing this monster through the Arctic. Yeah. Um, anyway, there's a summary of this public domain book. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of things in that story which really feel dated, like Frankenstein's language. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess an interesting an interesting comparison. I think I brought it up uh, in the in the first half was uh, I talked briefly about like Sherlock mm. as another example of something that was written. It was John Watson's journals, days, and, yeah. and then if you look at that that modern Sherlock show with show. Uh, Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. it's like they did a very good job in the first two seasons of taking the old Sherlock stories and mm. putting them and in, into them. the modern world. Yeah. Apart from Hound of the Baskervilles, which they butchered. Yeah. Um, turned into weird gas. But, and, like, yeah, yeah particularly, particularly like, some of the earlier episodes, they took, like, you know, it was uh, a horse cart driver yeah. and he was a and cab driver. A cabbie, yeah. Um, and it, so they did, they did good changes like that, and I think that was part of that series' success is that mm-hmm. it contained enough of the spirit of the originals that, that like, old cranky fans loved it. Yeah. But it was modern enough that everyone else could enjoy it. Yeah, and obviously this is the original, so it's kind of... In some ways, it's a bit unfair to judge it on that standard, but I still yeah. have to do that because I'm not reading it at the time. Um, another thing that comes up is, at the start of the book, uh, Frankenstein is talking to this captain who finds him in the Arctic yeah. and telling him about his life story, and it's very hinted that there's a lot of like messed up stuff that is happening in his life, um, and there's a lot of mystery surrounding that in the first, I'd say, third of the book when Frankenstein is recounting like he, how he was growing up and when he went off to study it, at this um, at this boarding school or college, I think. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the mystery is really supposed to... It feels like the mystery is supposed to carry you through that because it's a lot of backstory heavy. Hmm. Um, but because obviously I already know exactly <laughs> what's going to happen to a lot of degrees, um, it does feel like it falls flat in that way because I already know what's going to happen. Sure. Yeah, so... I mean, it's... It's hard because I have to try and put myself in the mindset of what would it be like if I had never read, if I had never heard of this story or any of the subsequent stories about it, you know? Um, yeah, you know. I'm not. I'm not sure because I think even then, I mean, the elevator pitch for the book, even back then, if you if you were somebody who'd read it in mm. in the uh, 17th century, mm. and then you're trying to sort of say, oh, um, this is what it's about. Mm. The elevator pitch. What's the equivalent of the elevator pitch? I mean, it'd be like a doctor brings a dead body back to life and, mm. you know, things go wrong. And things go wrong. But it's the thing that I liked about it is a lot of the major points from later adaptations, which I was expecting to be such a huge part of the book, really weren't. Mm. Like, bring, that, actually bringing the body back to life is not important in the book, really. It's no, just about whereas what after. in the movies, that's like the big That's scene. the goal. That's the goal of the um, movie. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I, you say the same thing. So like going back to another book, like Dracula, mm. uh, he's actually like sunlight is fine mm. in Dracula. Mm. Uh, it was the movie Nosferatu that added the say. element that it, that it killed them. I think, yeah. I think sunlight weakened vampires in Dracula, but it never killed them. Yeah. And yeah. And so I guess there were still a, a couple of really nice surprises reading through this book. I mean, I didn't know the full extent of Frankenstein's story and how he was like, how he learned English by watching these, this family through the cracks. And there's a (laughs) Frankenstein's monster. Sorry. (laughs) And there's this scene where he finally is willing to introduce himself to this family that he calls his protectors that he has kind of watched for ages. Hmm. And the way he decides to do that is their, their grandfather is blind. And so he hopes that if he meets the grandfather first, um, he'll be able to kind of introduce himself and get to know the grandfather and then that will carry him through. Yeah. Um, and it's a good plan, right? But it, it fails because the rest of the family comes home quick first and everything starts going to hell. Yeah, they freak out. Yeah, and you really feel for him. Even though he's killed people, he kind of tells his side of the story and do really feel for him. Hmm. And I think, 
I think it's it's sort of you're meant to get the impression that like when when he's killed people, it's either sort of been an accident because they've been like freaking out about him, or you know it's because he's like in a mad rage, which again, yeah. like he he sort of feels that it's Victor's fault because fault this. because you know he's never really had a parent or anything like yeah. he was just abandoned by Victor, so and of course he, he didn't learn any better, and he was kind of born. With the level of knowledge of a baby, right? Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't know what's going on at the start. He just kind of knows that people are attacking him and he's freaking out. And he kind of does pretty well, considering yeah. that yeah, he, he's like, raised, yeah, in such a in such a doggy dog kind of way. I guess part of it, like, going back to what you're saying, that he was so eloquent. I mean, if you're thinking about it, this is all being recounted by Victor, so he could be paraphrasing. He could be paraphrasing, yeah, yeah the, that's true. The monster might have been less eloquent. Could be more like me, Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's not, it's, it's classed as like a gothic horror book, right? Yeah. But really it's more of a, I mean, horror doesn't really. Yeah. Come into I, it. It's not relevant anymore. Yeah. I think to, to call yeah. this a horror book. It's hard to say whether it once was a horror book, but there definitely are elements of Frankenstein's monster is like a tragic villain in this, yeah. in the, in the story. Um, and it just kind of feels like Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster both have these fucked up lives now. It's a very kind of like, um, their lives are so intertwined in such a way that, like, they're both really fucked up and yeah. they'll never really be free of this. Um, yeah, so I wouldn't say it's a scary book at all. I'd say it's more sad. I mean, there are scenes where you really feel for Frankenstein and you really feel for Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, nobody's a winner in this book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are no winners. There are only dead people and Frankenstein and his monster. <laughs> I feel like that we need a... It's probably too late now, but we needed to establish, like, a name. Like, FM, we can call him. <laughs> um, Frankie. So there's Frank, there's Victor and Frankie. Um, and, yeah, it just kind of feels sad. I, I, I think so. I, I'm trying to remember. In, I, I think in, in high school when I wrote about this, we were told to call him the monster. The monster. Yeah, because yeah, he's never called Frankenstein's monster in the no. book, obviously. He's referred to as, like, the monster or the abomination or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a sad book. It's a sad book, but I, I it is... Even though there are things which didn't hold up as well as they would have, yeah. as well as they were intended in the day, it, it's still definitely a good read. I think, yeah, I think overall it's still, yeah, fun And it's read. still earned its place. It's definitely earned its place as a, a cornerstone of literature. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what would I give it? On my out of tens, I guess I'd give it... I'm wary of giving everything that we do a seven. <laughs> but I, I'd say, yeah, this one... Yeah, yeah I'd well, say maybe may, an eight. You may as well start using a scale of seven to eight. Like. Seven to, where on the seven to eight scale would I give it? No, I, I mean, it, that's a problem. Is um, it, it is worth recommending, but it still has its flaws. Yeah. Um, and if you can find someone like me who has lived under a rock long enough to not have actually read the original Frankenstein... I was talking to people that I know, and it seems like everyone has read this, whether for, like, yeah. well, year 12 I, English or, you know. I, I think, you know, that was part of why I thought it was good for this podcast. It was a piece of media you had I had some in. inexplicably missed. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd give an A out of 10. I really liked it. It was yeah. good. Cool. Thanks for listening to another episode of episode, another episode of Media MD. Getting your uh, vampire accent on. <laughs> Getting ready for my vampire accent because next week we will be talking about Salem's Lot. Have you ever heard that 
small towns are the lifeblood of America. Because vampires drink blood, so maybe that's a joke. How do I stop the recording? (laughs)